continuing our sermon series this morning from bread and wine uh, to faith and giving. Our scripture, our text, comes from Mark, the sixth chapter, verses 35 through 44. This is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Begins with these words. When it, was, when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place. The hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. They found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And all ate and were filled. They took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered five thousand men. That is God's word for us this morning. The story of the feeding of the five thousand is uh, like a, a family story. For all people who had interest in collecting stories that Jesus had told, events that Jesus had been involved in, this family story appears, and it's the only one that appears in all four Gospels. Luke, you can go and read the story of the prodigal son, and the prodigal story, that story is only in Luke. You can go to Matthew and read about the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes in the fifth chapter of Matthew are only in Matthew. You can go to John, the eighth chapter, and read about the story of the woman caught in adultery. And that's the only place in the Gospels that that story occurs. This story is in every Gospel. That spans, we believe, around a 35-year period of time, from the time that Mark's gospel was written, and we believe Mark's gospel was the first one written, to when the last one, John's gospel, was written. Over that 35-year span, this story made it into every one of the gospels. Family story. You've got family stories. Uh, Some of them are embarrassing, Some of them are humorous. They survive because they have taken on some important meaning in the life of your family. 
And so you retell those stories every time you gather together as family. Just this past week, I don't know whether this will become an ongoing family story or not, but just this past week, my son Dan called and told me a story about my grandson Graham. Graham just turned four years old. And Graham was uh, pitching a fit. He wanted a juice box. And he was demanding that his father produce the juice box. Give me a juice box. Give me a juice box. Dan, good parent that I raised him to be, said to Graham, what's the magic word? Graham looked at his dad and said, abracadabra. So... Family stories. Well, in this family story, there's a context in which it occurs. See, in the sixth chapter of Mark, it begins with the rejection of Jesus in his hometown. Jesus has been baptized in Mark. Jesus has gone into the the wilderness. The temptation of Jesus in the wilderness has taken place. Jesus gets ready, wants to go back home, expects that he will be received gratefully, gladly, that uh, his return will be celebrated. He gets back home. He begins to recount what has happened to him. He begins to preach a little bit. And immediately, the people who know him best reject him. Who is this? that can tell us about God. Jesus finally says, I learned something here. A prophet is not without honor, except when he goes back home. And he's rejected. He immediately uh, after that, as, as Mark says, immediately after that, He commissions his 12 disciples, who he is called by now, all 12 of them, to go on a mission trip. And he sends them out to heal and to preach and to cast out demons. And they send him, uh, they, they go on this mission trip. They come back. They are extremely excited. Uh, They are pumped up from the journey. They want to tell Jesus everything about it. And then there's an interlude here. In Mark, in this same sixth chapter. And it goes from that moment of excitement where the disciples return to a story about the death of John the Baptist. Good friend, family relative of Jesus, dies a horrible death. The disciples hear about it, Jesus hears about it. And in the middle of this, uh, in the midst of the excitement, you have this, this odd interruption. And that's frequently what happens when somebody we care about passes away. It's an interruption. Even as much as we think we expect, uh, expect the event to occur. Maybe we've been told this is going to happen. It still surprises us. It interrupts our lives. And that happens to Jesus. And then after that, that recounting after that, Information, story about John the Baptist, we pick up 
with the return of the disciples. Excited, pumped up, but also exhausted, worn out. Jesus can relate to this. He's been rejected at home. He's experienced this, uh, this, this excitement of the 12 disciples coming back, the exhaustion of training them, preparing them to go. He's heard about the death of his cousin, of his family member, of his friend, John the Baptist. The disciples are ready for a break. Jesus is ready for a break. And so, before this story of the feeding of the 5,000 takes place, the disciples and Jesus decide they're going to go somewhere where there are no crowds. We need to get away from it all. We need to take some time for ourselves. We need to find quiet space. And we all need that. A place where we can just get away. The disciples are looking for that kind of space. Wanting that kind of space. And they figure the best way to get separation from the crowds is to get in a boat. And to go across the water. Who the heck can follow them then? And that's what they do. Somebody finds out about it. Somebody figures out where they're going. And when they get out of the boat, there's a crowd waiting for them. The disciples, I'm sure, threw up their hands. What do we have to do? Do we have no relief? Jesus preaches to the multitudes. And like all good preachers, once he's got a crowd in front of him, he goes on and on and on until the early evening hours. And the disciples have had enough at this point. And so, even in the midst of finding this trouble, finding this quiet space, even in the midst of people invading quiet space, the disciples come to the point, early evening, and they say, to themselves, you know, enough is enough. Now it's time to send them away. And that's what they tell Jesus. Now they wrap the thing in compassion, in concern. We don't have enough food to give them. Uh, it's the early evening. This is the time when people normally eat anyway. It's time for this to be over. It's time for you to send them away. It's time for us to have the getaway time, the quiet time that we had hoped for before our space was invaded. Send them away. And then the next thing that happens had to shock them. Just had to floor them. Jesus looks at them and says, so... You want them to go get something to eat in town there? Yeah. Send them to town. It's time for dinner. Let them go to a restaurant. Get something to eat. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. 
You give them something. He says that to people who are burned out, who are tired, who don't want to be bothered anymore. See, we're thinking, we think we're the only ones that, that feel that way. And here we read a story about people 2,000 years ago. We're just exhausted. We've had enough. And Jesus says, you give them something. A few years ago, a little endowment group I was with, we got to travel around quite a bit. We went to San Francisco on one of those trips, and I met a woman who wrote poetry got in a conversation with her, and she wrote some verses, free verse. She calls it, My Neighborhood Friends. This is what this woman experienced. She wrote these verses about these different people, what she experienced walking to work every morning or walking around her area, her district in San Francisco. There was a person that she called Number Seven Man. I don't know his name. He doesn't speak when I say hello. He is shaped like the number seven. It looks like he got that way from bending over trash cans. He doesn't beg. He scrounges. He wears an old red and white athletic jacket and his hands and sleeves are nearly black with dirt. His long hair and beard are white. Sometimes he just leans on the trash cans to rest. It's where he fits best. My own back feels better when I see him sleeping on the grass. She wrote another one about a a person that she encountered for the first time. She called him the unknown beggar. Today, there was a new guy on the street, dressed in a big coat and a stocking cap. He held out his cup and yelled. Over and over he yelled, Leave him alone. Leave him alone. You know what I mean. Leave him alone. Truly, he may be one of the least of these. But even so, my brethren and I did leave him alone. His cup is still empty. Now the disciples came up with very reasonable a very reasonable request. Let him send him away. We've had enough. Send him away. Jesus said, you give them something. And the disciples continued to calculate. They said, well, what are we supposed to do? Didn't you hear us, Jesus? We don't have anything. We don't have anything to give. Didn't, don't you remember that we came here to get away from this? Don't you remember? 
that there's nothing that we have that we can give them. What are we supposed to do? Give them 200 denarii? That's 200 days worth of wages. So we can buy bread? We don't have it. Then the moment of grace comes. And Jesus says, what do you have? And the disciples go scrounging around. And they come up with five loaves and two fish. And they bring that to Jesus. After saying, it's not our problem. Send them away. There's nothing I can do, nothing we can do. We don't have enough. And besides that, enough, enough of this is enough. What do you have? What are you willing to give? What, bring me something, Jesus says. And so with the five loaves and the two fish, enough becomes more than enough in Jesus' hands. Jesus says, just bring me what you have. Trust me with what you have. Trust Jesus with what you can bring. And in Jesus' hands, enough becomes more than enough. You know, hope is a frightening thing. So I want a better world. I want the world to be better. But I'm afraid to give up the security that I have in order to create one or to make one. And Jesus says, trust, hope, your hope is well placed. Place that in my hands. Don't calculate and tell me about all the stuff you don't have. I know you're tired. I know you're worn out. I can relate to that. I get tired and worn out, Jesus says. Jesus experienced that in the sixth chapter. I know that. But bring that tiredness, that burden, bring that to me. Trust me with what you have. Don't give me all the calculations and all the reasons why you can't do what I know you, you know you need to do. Don't give me all the calculations. I don't want calculating disciples. I want disciples who count. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for grace.
God, we thank you for new math. That you're not interested in our calculations, but you're interested in our lives. Lives that count for something. Lives that count for you. God, help us, encourage us, even in the midst of our tiredness, even in the midst of the burdens that we carry. To take one more step. Even if we cannot see where the, where the step will lead us, help us to remember that we, we walk by faith, not by sight. Oh, God, trust. Help us to trust. Lord, help us to put our lives in your hands and guide our steps. Help us to trust that where we step, you will lead us. You will guide us in every journey, in every walk that we take. God, we thank you for that. We thank you in the midst of life's challenges, Lord, that you never leave us. And we thank you that in our moments when we think we can't do any more, when enough is enough, God, that when we put our lives in your hands, our enough becomes your more than enough. It's in Christ's name. Amen.